Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a photog adventure of your own. It's episode 51 and we're rolling over towards 100 episodes. Hey, Brennan. Hey, it's a good day to be over the hill. 51 episodes heading towards 100. Man, speaking of over the hill, last weekend was my birthday on the 22nd, so it was Friday, and Dean Vincent stole four years from my life. He went ahead mm. and announced my birthday, which is awesome, Dean. Thanks so much for announcing it. But you didn't have to tell everyone that I turned 40. I started getting messages saying, hey, Happy congrats, 40th. King. You hit 40. Welcome to 40. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I haven't hit 40. I'm sad that I've rolled over that round up number. It's like you rounded to 35 and rounded up to 40. It's like now I'm at 36. You can round up to 40 if you wanted to. And I hate that. Mm. And so being at 36, I felt old, but I'm not actually 40. I'm not Brendan's age. Over no. here, it's, Dean Vincent got mixed up with Brendan. Brendan has- Just rounded up. It's okay. <laughs> so thanks, Dean, for stealing four years of my life. I'll have to get you back somehow. <laughs> and uh, But also thanks for remembering, and thanks to all of you who wished me happy birthday. That was awesome. I appreciate it. Sorry I couldn't respond to it right away. We were out at a workshop. First, I want to mention the birthday donut that I bought you at Winco. Oh my gosh, and the birthday donut. You took a bite donut? and spat it out. Thanks, Brendan. And then I was like, that couldn't be that bad. And I took a bite and I'm like, you're right. Imagine if you had rolled up a bunch it's of gross. socks, made them a little wet, and then wrapped a donut around them. That was pretty much what that donut tasted like. Mm. Soggy, terrible, and so, then covered yeah. in some frosting that made me feel like I was trying to <laughs> coax myself to eating something that was made from like wheat germ or something. I was like, this is a really healthy thing. Eat it. Cover it in chocolate. It just was like Ugh. too moist and the wrong texture and just weird. <laughs> so I, luckily we found Dunkin' Donuts down the street and we went to there. Whew. We went to there and it was great. Do not recommend Winco Donuts. <laughs> so this episode was not sponsored by Winco. Do not go there for donuts. <laughs> you go there for lots of other things that are great there. But yeah, lawyers don't donuts. come after us. We just don't recommend the donuts. And everyone apparently should know that because who said it? Who's like, you don't go to Winco for donuts? Was it no, Rob? No, Rob, yeah. Rob's like, you went to Winco for donuts? You never go to Winco for donuts. I was like, yeah, we found that out. <laughs> yeah, we did. So that was a good morning. Oh, okay, after that. After that was a great morning. But let's start off telling you guys that we've got another listener adventure that we've kind of mentioned and hinted at before. But those of you who haven't been aware of it yet, we have a listener adventure in in November. We're going out to Oregon. We're going to be in Oregon from the 14th to the 18th. We're going to drive down all the way from Portland to Samuel H. Boardman State Scenic Corridor. So down in Brookings area, yeah, guys. Yeah, Brookings. And we're going to start down there and travel all the way up the coastline through Bandon, Coos Bay, the Hasita Head, Thor's Well. Yakina, I'm guessing, but y I don't know. Yakina Head Marine <laughs> Garden? No. Um, Yakina Head Marine Garden, I'm probably murdering that too. Cape Kowanda State National Area is where we're going to end up. And so. those are our major stopping points and just kind of planning around that. So we're going to be spending from the 14th to the 19th hanging around. Hanging out the coast. 14th to the 18th hanging around there and enjoying just anything that has great skies for it and will go up and down. That's not really formal. We're not going to be forcing Bandon on this day, Coos Bay on that day. 
we're just going to drive. We're just going to drive. It's five and a half hours of driving, 252 miles between the top of Cape Kiwanda down to Samuel H. Boardman at Brookings. And we're just going to hang out there. This is all modeled after the Nick Page adventure. And so we wanted to go to these places for the first time as noobs and have you guys join us. So if you're in the area, California, Washington, Oregon, and you want to join us out here, make sure you go to our website, photogadventures.com forward slash listener adventure. And a current listener adventure will have a registration up there. So depending on when you hit this up, if this is after our adventure out there in North Carolina, that one will be removed from the website. And so if you come after that and you hear this and you're going, okay, I want to join them, let's register. Go to photocadventures.com forward slash listener adventure. Yeah. And there you can register and get notifications and let us know your phone number so that we can text you and give you updates. So say like, hey, we're in Brookings in the morning and we know we're leaving for Bandon. We're going to say, hey, heading to Bandon this time, this place. See you there. And we just do like a group text, right? So you can just blast out everybody with one thing saying, hey, this is where we are. So so instead of getting putting it on Twitter or something like that, you guys can just get a more personal update to what's going on. Exactly. You can also sign up for our workshops next year. If you're thinking about joining us for a workshop and you want to come out in one of our five-day, four-night workshops in here in Utah and one in Oregon, you can go to photogadventures.com. You go there and you can go into our adventure workshops and see the link that says, yes, I would like Photog Adventures to email me adventure workshop updates. You can sign up and register there or just go straight to workshopalert.photogadventures.com and you'll have access to it. Give us your full name, your best email address, and updates. And these updates Updates will only come when we are updating a registration saying, hey, okay, registration for Salt Flats and Knolls is live. So you can sign up now. First 12 come in, first 12 come in and then register. They'll get the access to the 12 spots that we have. So this will be a good thing to have if you're interested in a particular workshop. Yeah. As soon as we get the okay from the entities there saying, yep, you guys are permitted to come here for a commercial workshop, have fun. Once we get that go ahead, we're going to put down the workshop and say, boom, we're ready to go. Everyone get out there with us and we'll alert you through that through that email. So, so come out there to this website and check it out and see if you want to join us. So before we go any further after our announcements and we jump into talking about the workshops we've been a part of, Dead Horse Point, Canyonlands, Natural Bridges, and the workshops that we did mm -hmm. recently, I want to give a shout out to a couple guys that we met out there in Moab and one guy, Scott. Scott Zeitler from Colorado, man. We found out. It was awesome. We found out that he listens to the show. Yeah. And that was after we hung out with Justin Northcraft from Tucson for a while. We ran into Scott and he heard our voice in the dark and said, hey, there's <laughs> a shout out to you guys. Bizarre. That was awesome. Yeah. So he hears our voices and then he hears Brendan say something. He's like, he's like wait, I recognize your guys' voices. And then Brendan says something again. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Photog Adventures, right? We're like, yes, you actually know who we are. That's that's fantastic. That was awesome. It was really cool. We're all in the pitch black, and he recognized a couple of the crazy, goofy guy voices. So apparently we stand out. That's good, I guess, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> it's funny how he heard one of us talk and thought, what is that? Then he heard me talk, and then he heard you talk again, and kind of the combination, it triggered yeah, it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, boom. Photog Adventures. So Scott, man, hey, thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit that night. Too bad we couldn't do more, but at least we got to hang out with Justin Northcraft the whole next day. Mm -hmm. Justin didn't know anything about us when he was out there, but I think he had enough fun with Brendan. Brendan's a really outgoing hangout guy. I come back from using the restroom real quick, getting ready for the whole night of photography, and he's already at some guy's car next to him saying, oh, how's that work? What are you doing here? What's that? What were you asking him about? About his little sonar thing in the front of the car. So you saw the sonar. Yeah. It's, it's that obvious, huh? Yeah, because it looks like a like a little round dome. What is it actually? It actually is, it is like a sonar. It actually it's adaptive um, cruise control, so it actually slows down if a car in front of him slows down. 
Oh. Or speeds up to this and goes back to the speed that we they're going. What originally. kind of range does it have? I don't know, but he says that if they brake hard, it will actually turn the cruise control off. So, so oh, fantastic! It's pretty sweet. I mean, he is obviously paying attention, but man, you, if your cruise control does adjust for you, you know, to do the whole rigmarole that you typically have to do to mm-hmm. get back up to speed, that is awesome. Yeah, I saw that thing down there. I was like, what is that thing? Like, <laughs> I've never seen that before. And I'm I'm always looking at things, and I'm into you know new tech and stuff, and so. Most curious. I'm glad you did because George Justin was an awesome guy to hang out with. He's a lot of fun. It's awesome to be out there. Yeah. So Justin's one who tips us off to Dead Horse Point when yeah. he showed us a picture. He got the day that was it that day that morning that he was there. Yeah, he said it was a sunset. No sunset. So it must have been the day been, before. Right. Must have been right and when he arrived. Yeah, and he took it the day before and showed us on his phone. We're like, what? So I mean, yeah, very aware that Dead Horse Point exists because one of my images that I drool over from Jeff Peterson is from Dead Horse Point, uh, but I had yeah, never yeah. been there before. No, no. It's one of those things that you think I would have, but I always just go around it for some reason. Just always go around. Yeah, because we've driven past it a few times now. Oh, we? Several times. <laughs> and yet we never take a stop and go in there because we're too busy. And yet it was freaking amazing. It's interesting. If you guys have never been yeah. to Dead Horse Point, that spot right there. It goes out far off the desert and kind of elevates a little bit, and you end up being on this tall, tall pedestal rock, this peninsula-in-the-sky rock that is just hanging out over what you don't realize exists. I mean, you're over there on this freeway, and you're going into Arches and Moab, but you don't realize that over there, the earth has been carved out like the Grand Canyon, and it looks amazing. Yeah, it really was. The river was down there. The river was big. That's the Colorado River. So it's the same river that carved out the Grand Canyon. It's right there at Dead Horse Point. We made plans immediately when Justin showed us that, that we're going to go the next morning, because it's been raining, and it was raining on us there in Moab. Yeah. So just to say, we were down there with Rafa. Fail Ponds and Joshua Snow. They had their workshop in the southern Utah at the Arches area with 30 plus people that had yeah, come there. Yeah, it was awesome. Very awesome group. Joshua Snow was fantastic. They did a good presentation that we had just missed, but I'm pretty certain it was awesome. And when we got there, they were all packing up and ready to go out for the sunset and to go and get up there into Arches. So we're like, sweet, let's grab some burgers and then hit the you know road and get on the Arches. And then as soon as oh, we got the Arches. We got a shout out. We got a shout out to Troy Warwick. That's true. That's true. Troy was out there getting burgers at the same place we went, and he comes up. He's like, "Hey guys!" We're like, "Whoa!" Wait. I'm like, "How come I?" I'm, I'm like, "Why do I recognize this guy's face?" You and him spent a lot of time talking out there at the Improved Photography Retreat, yeah, right? Yeah, we we started hanging out and talking that night at Lost Dutchman State Park, and it was dark. The sun had set. We were walking back to the car. We were chatting, and so I only got like glimpses of his face oh. here and there. And so that's why when I saw him at the restaurant in full daylight, I was like, ah, I recognize his face a little <laughs> bit. Like, how does he know us again? And he knew me by name and he's like talking and we're just like, uh, and he's like, oh, oh yeah, 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 that's right. So it was Troy, yeah. Troy, shout out to Troy because he and his family were awesome. We're going to talk about him in mm-hmm. a little bit later, but he helped us out for something that, man, we owe him big because it was fantastic. Yeah. So out there with the group, decided to go up to the windows. The windows, if you know Arches National Park, there's this area called windows where you can go in. It's a little loop to park in and you can go any direction, go north. Anything but, I guess, uh, west. So there's arches and little window-shaped arches and window arches all throughout. Um, the That's where that big double arch, too, is down there. Yeah. If you go down, if you go, actually, no, if you do go west from the parking lot, you go to that one with a big double arch. Is it directly west? I was yeah, thinking that that's I like a so, big that's opening. That's where the sun sets, I think, was towards that area, wasn't it? I guess fair enough because of that loop. Northwest, I guess. Yeah. And then, um, then behind that, directly behind that to the east is where the double windows 
area is. And that's where we went up to try to get the Milky Way because those windows open up to the right direction to get the Milky Way this time of year to get it through the hole and kind of reaching the hole and coming out above it as well. And we had clouds, you know, that were kind of raining on us as we came down, but they were hanging out to the north like the whole time. So we're like, oh, great. If they just stay hanging out to the north, then uh, that would be cool. If that happens, they just keep going past us. Then we have plenty of open skies for, you know, the rest of the night. And that didn't happen. No. So if you guys are familiar with this area real quick, double arch is what Brandon's talking about. There's cove arch, cove of caves, ribbon arch, and we're on the nor- the southern side where there's turret arch. Everyone mm-hmm. hiked yeah, up the yeah. turret arch, but behind there is north window and south window right yeah, there. Yeah. And so when we were trying to get that sunset that just wasn't quite working out, we ended up taking off behind south window to see if we can get an opening where we can look I mean, obviously to the south, where the Milky Way would come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we tried it, <laughs> and we got rained on the entire time. It's depressing time. because we sat there in the stinking rain the entire time. We thought it'll just blow over because you could see how over there by Green River where we drove in, just downpour, constant downpour, and then we drove through it and got out of it on the way to yeah. Moab. And so it was this big cloud, big rain cloud, and it was skirting Moab, skirting arches, and we had predictions everywhere saying clear skies, clear right. skies, no rain. Yeah, it wasn't so. No. When you were coming back, you went past the group, and you said some people already left, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. They were heading out. I mean, the the group had been, like, cut in half. You know, half the people just said, eh, it's not going to change. I'm just going to pack it in. It was such a bummer. And it really, this whole year was supposed to be a lot of trips down to Arches for Milky Photography, but because they closed everything off for construction, it gave you Saturday and Friday. Those are the two nights that you can do Astro in this area. So after we realized that the rain wasn't going to let up, we decided to bail ourselves. That's and the horizon we were... was covered too. Even oh. if it rained on us the whole time, but yeah. the horizon was visible, I would have pulled my camera out. Sure. It was just a kind of a skunk. It felt bad for Joshua getting skunked on that night. But everyone understood. Yeah. It was one of those things that you just can't control. So we decided, okay, well, we got to find a place to sleep. And we looked everywhere. Mm. The first person we actually called to check on availabilities, they just told us flat out, look, guys, there is nothing available in all of Moab. So we decided to pack it up and head out and take our chances in the back of the truck that we rented. We drove over from Moab. If you go north of Moab and turn o- turn to the left, eventually, there's a road that takes you to Dead Horse Point. And we figured we can go all the way out there and then just stay there for a few hours sleeping in the back of the truck and the pickup part of the truck so that we can be ready to go for the sunrise. Yeah, and it worked out fairly well until, until. 515, 520, 530, somewhere <sighs> around there. Oh, my gosh. Okay, if you guys go out here to these places and you're going to arrive late at night, I get that you might be tired. I get that you might even think, I've got to keep myself alive. I'm going to play my music really loud to keep myself alive and just get my heart pumping. But turn the dang thing off when you arrive. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh. So this guy pulls up in his car. I'm pretty sure his stereo was totally maxed. It was maxed in that car. Because I could hear him pulling up, and then he opened, proceeded to open almost all of his doors. Yeah. At least the two facing us. Not just one door so you can get out. Blaring. All of them. Full blast. An entire song. It was like a five-minute song. And too, I think he had a hatchback. So when he opened up the trunk, you had sound coming out of that too. So he had two windows facing, two doors facing us open, the hatchback trunk open, and he proceeded to then re- rotate items from the passenger seat to the back seat, back seat to the trunk, trunk to the front, grab some food, put it up there, change his clothes, change this, and all of it over... 
20 minute period of blasting music from some white boy reggae that was so obnoxious, so crazy. Mm. I, I woke up to it thinking that maybe my alarm on this phone had a weird song playing, but no. Oh, no. I was, uh, I heard him coming up from the very moment I could hear his stereo from inside his car pulling yeah. up towards the parking lot. Our alarm was set for 6 a.m., and he didn't even give us that. He woke us up 40 minutes early with his yeah. stupid music that now I hate that band. I'll never listen to them again. <laughs> the band we shall not name. Some of you might actually know this band, and I offend you now. I offend you. No, you're not gonna, we're not going to mention the name. Okay, I can't even mention the name of the next song that played. No, no. All right, we will not offend, but man. It's ugh. just too, yeah. <sighs> I it doesn't even matter. It could have been a song that I like. I don't want to hear it blasting three stalls from me when I'm trying to flip and sleep and it's still pitch black outside <laughs> and I have only had two hours of sleep. Yeah. And on a cot, or not a cot, I was on a blow-up mattress that was dying. Apparently, a I popped, it, right? a hole, popped a hole in that thing recently and I didn't know it before this trip and so it was dying. I'm sitting there on the ribs of your back of the pickup truck and it's just, Ugh. so I was already uncomfortable, not sleeping well and then D Canoe showed up and wanted to play his music really loud. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I considered for a moment that no one would know we did it except for the fact that there's only like four other people here. And there was a there was a big van load of Chinese people that showed up just before him. They probably would have told on me if I they, got they rid of the They might guy. have. <laughs> they were Chinese after all. They might have just, have just touched up about it. They just kind of give us a wink and a nod. They're just like, yeah, we know. It happens in our country too. Oh, we hate this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so we proceeded to be awoken by the 50-year-old plus hippie reggae loving jerk face that does not understand etiquette eventually actually mm. 20 minutes in he eventually turned it down a little bit i think when he finally looked at me with my arms folded staring <laughs> him a death stare sitting in the sleeping bag sitting up in my back of my truck like dude <laughs> are you freaking kidding me yeah it good times good times great people. <laughs> but then dead horse point you gotta say Pretty then, fantastic yes. place. And then the sun started rising. We got our stuff together and got out there with our camera. If you guys haven't been on the Dead Horse Point, it has the horseshoe shape, gooseneck shape of gooseneck slash horseshoe bend mm, kind of look. Yeah. But then you're a little bit more, I should say, flying high above it, looking down from the left side of it. Yeah, because it's not like it just like does one gradual drop off like, like um, goosenecks. It does like a drop and then it moves out some more towering rocks and then drop again into the, into the river and it was just fantastic views i love and it the fact that we were down there with the truck is just so rad yeah later on in the podcast we'll talk about how we actually end up down below the lookout point from up here we, we saw that there was a road we're like hey you can drive all the way out there it was like a big fat trail over there it's like nice <laughs> but we we go out in there later on so this view, this sunrise, it was a bit challenging because you have really, really red rock. It looked awesome. And then as soon as the sun started coming up over the horizon and starts lighting that terrain, you get mere seconds with it. Mm. Seconds of it, of harsh light coming in some spots and really making them glow while the rest are in shadow and other spots. And it's just, it really draws the definition out that you didn't have before with just the red glowiness. The red glowiness you'll see in our Dead Horse Point video in like two months. I don't even know when we'll get to that just because we have so much of a backlog right now. You'll see how my image will probably be from before the sunlight hit and how there's, you know, it's a it's a difficult thing to draw the context of all the layers of, mm. of rock face that I'm looking at because they all blend together in one big symphony of red rock. Yeah, yeah. 
The only definition is that muddy river, that muddy brown red river that goes around Dead Horse Point. Yeah, it's really interesting because it wasn't even like remotely clear. I mean, it was just like just red blood, like dirt that the same color of the ground is out there. And it's just, I was really hoping it'd be more green or blue. And I would like that. I would like that contrast more. But, you know, it is what it is. I don't know what causes it to be. Um, for the mud, doesn't seem to ever settle, it seems like. No, right. So there's this point out there on the edge. And one thing is if you are uneasy with heights, do not go here because there is nothing blocking you. There are lookout points where you are away from all of the deadly edge, but there's also spots where they don't have anything kind of barricading you away from falling. And if you are like Brendan and I are fine with standing on the edge there, at least I'm mostly fine with it, uh, yeah, don't go out here. It is brilliant. It's awesome, though. There's this really cool tree that I only know about thanks to Jeff Peterson doing his YouTube video. There's a video from Jeff Peterson's YouTube channel where it shows him walking up to a spot, and there's this really, really photographic little bush tree that leans out bonsai-looking over the cliff face and kind of has a great shape, and I use that to frame my image around it. And, oh, man, okay, one thing for photographically speaking that went well and didn't go well in this situation... Yeah. I had a situation with this tree. Little bush where, tree? Little bush tree. Where if I <laughs> kept it in a position that drew the shape of it, I would lose it in the horizon in the background because it's mm. so high in the background. Yeah. So I'd get close and get down and try and get the top of that tree to break the plane and enter the sky to give it some more shape that was lost in the horizon. And I found the perfect spot where it's just like, okay, right here, I've close enough to it that it's really featured nicely in my composition with the balance. I have it breaking the plane, but then you know, I would lose some of the trunk detail. The trunk detail wasn't invisible to see. It was just the shape of that trunk. Imagine an elbowed arm and you look straight down at it from your shoulder or like from Brendan's perspective on my arm, he can see the shape of my elbowed mm -hmm. arm. But when I look down it from my shoulder, it all becomes a straight line really. And oh, yeah. it's hard to tell that it's a 90 degree elbowed arm as much as it is obvious for Brendan. So that shape was getting lost when I got into position right there to get the right silhouette against the sky where I'd lose that elbowed shape of the tree. So I try and stay off to the right of it a little bit enough to see that elbow shape, but then also get that. And I found the perfect spot. I tried multiple areas and then I wanted to come back to it. Oh, even with images that I could see and double check, I could not get my tripod legs, height of the camera, nothing. I could not get it back to where I was. Yeah, it's so weird, isn't it? Like you were just doing it and it was literally like five minutes later. Yeah. And you were struggling so much to get it right to <laughs> the same point again. And you never quite did, did you? I never did. So if you guys are in a position where you get a situation like this and you know that you might want to try other shots... Get your other camera out. Yeah, get your other camera. <laughs> in this case, it is not better to stop your tr your tripod from growing roots because I needed that light, that really nice contrasting light that was happening later in the morning. And I wished I had had that in my earlier shot, but because I moved and I can never recreate it, I still have to keep the first image. So two cameras, man, two cameras. That's the big tip. And that's what I'm going to be changing is having those two cameras be a part of my life. Yeah just didn't work out. I think my sunrise shot will be cool, but I am just not satisfied without having some extra light and extra interest like the clouds 
floating through there. That shot of Jeff Peterson's with the clouds floating through there is just amazing. Check yeah. out Red Cliff's photography, guys. He has some cool stuff. Anything about Dead Horse Point for you that went well or didn't go well? Yeah, um, I found a similar tree. Um, it was half alive on one side and half dead on the other side. So it was alive on dead tree. That was really cool because the left side was alive and like green and vibrant and bushy. And the right side was just all dead branches and gnarly and cool twisted. And I thought, man, I, I like this little tree and um, I want to try to get some shots with it in my composition. And it was it was definitely a challenge because he was he was near the cliff. And so I was just right behind him trying to get some good shots with the background. It's kind of really hard to marry something cool in the foreground and get that epic background at the same time. And so it's always a challenge to get those get those shots. You're always fighting with the angle somewhere to get it to look just right. And then I noticed that that one of the dry branches actually mimicked the same exact shape of the rock below. Oh it. yeah. And then I thought, oh, that's cool. So now that I know that's there, I can line it up and take my shot. And now it's still kind of blended in. It still looked kind of flat. So I'm gonna work work on it a little bit in post and see if I can. Um, I started on it a little tiny bit, I think. But I need to like maybe add some dodging and burning a little bit to see if I can really emphasize that curve. But even in the picture that I looked at before I even really did processing on it, it looked pretty pretty awesome. It really was. And it's like you're saying, you get that angle looking down of trying to get your senior terrain and get something in the foreground. And in my situation, I was trying to focus stack with that bush. And so the focus breathing issues I knew I was going to have mm, made me yeah. worry about focus stacking, but I had no other choice. I could not get anything in my shot without focus stacking. And so focus stacking was the plan. There's nothing else I could choose. But I'm not excited about the different times that the shot had been. It's like just one single frame, everything in focus would have been better. And mm. so it makes me wonder if it's worth going to a different situation where I pull back far and use a little bit tighter lens so that I can get the same shot, but all at infinity where I can mm, actually focus on the yeah, tree. Yeah, maybe. I'd have to test that out. I'm not even certain if that's a good idea. Someone out there listening right now might be like, that's a terrible idea. You're going to ruin this, this, and this, and this. And you've experienced it and tested it more than I have. And yeah. so I can't wait to learn with that. But focus stacking isn't going to be terribly hard with this one. It's just the tree is stiff. It wasn't blowing in the wind true i true. think that's going to be fine yeah and i think it'll turn out great but then it just makes me feel like if everything's in focus in my shot and then everything in the background's there i don't know just something a little bit softer definitely not in the foreground never good to have something soft in the foreground but it's just i don't know i feel like everything becomes equally important and i'd rather mm -hmm. it be an mm -hmm. accent to the important view in the foreground and the only thing lacking that kept that from being kept that bush from being an accent instead of like the main focus was the missing light if i had those harsh light contrasts and shadows happening in all the pinnacles yeah, of rock in front yeah. of me that would have been the actual key element of the shot it would have been drawing the eyes over there and then that tree would have been an accent and in focus but still an accent and not an overpowering subject so it makes me wonder if sunset would be better time to go it's, I know almost like we need to, it's almost like we need to plan a trip here to do sunrise and then we find a place to either rest, sleep, eat, you know, hang out, explore some, and then come back to yeah. the same spot for sunset. Honestly, I agree. And that, that could be a lot of fun. That was going to be my last tip of this trip was that 
it really, I really do want to do the Elio Licardi method with this spot is just yeah. spend six days, three to six days in the spot. See what the light is doing morning and night. Because you go out there the first time, it's a chance to get to know the area on top of get to know how the light hits everything. Knowing that that was such a short moment where yeah. it actually lit the whole thing. Because yeah. as the sun kept rising, shadows changed and it seemed like it was in shadow from either a cloud or yeah. from a formation that made the yeah. front end of this rock no longer receive the light that it had that moment yeah the shadows were moving just and it was just barely there were barely any clouds and they were just right the way of the sun to just cast a really even light on everything and not that harsh dynamic light so yeah and so you got to have more time you you go to a place to location scout and to go and experience it for the first time but unlike astrophotography where you can hit it the first try you actually, mm-hmm. in landscape photography, you need to see how the sun and moon will play with your subject. In Milky Way, there it is. It's lit up the same way no matter how, as long as you're in the same darkness, same kind of situation, same shape of the Milky Way, you know what the light's going to be on it. You know, it's yeah. controlled. It's always that. Or you're going to bring your own light. And well, we're talking the foreground subject. Well, then yeah. you can control the foreground light. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. even the foreground has control of the light. But when you're dealing with Mother Nature's lighting the area, you, you need to you get to know it. You need to know it. And it changes by the day, by the season. Mm-hmm. And so you just can't get that awesome lightning strike every time. And so a Lyle Locardi method of going to location and living there for a few days just to really get the shot, that's how I'm going to get a portfolio shot at this location. Yeah. So. so I can't wait to get out there and do the Elia Locardi thing because yeah. we really need to get to know that area. And that's the le- lesson we have to learn in, in landscape photography. You guys might think it's hard to get into astrophotography, but it really isn't. It really isn't. There's only a few things you got to get right to hit those notes and have it, and yeah, you'll be yeah. great. In landscape photography, you have far more variables to consider yourself. Yeah, I mean, there's there's with. still variables in, in uh, Milky Way photography, but um, once you know the sky's going to be clear and the location you're going to be at, then... It's all about just getting your lighting right, and that's not that hard. No. And then once your lighting is right, then it's just getting your composition right. If you're familiar with the area, you already kind of know what you want your composition to be. And so um, with regular landscape, you know, they both have their challenges, but it seems like the landscape itself, landscape photography itself, has definitely higher challenges to overcome sometimes, I think. so. Yeah, I agree. We're going to talk about natural bridges, and that was your first time doing Milky photography there, and that's a perfect example of hitting the right notes the right time and doing it your first try. Well, and, I, and that only comes because of all the practice I've gotten the last year. You that's know? very true. I don't think I could have ever gotten a shot like that. We'll talk more about natural bridges here in a second, but first we had yeah. an awesome time in Canyonlands, and I don't know if you guys have seen in the map. If you go to Google Maps or anything, you're going to see these potash ponds or the potash, potash. ponds. I say potash, and actually Troy's wife agrees with me. It's potash, so we're going to say potash. She's from Southern Africa, though. And where am South I from? South Africa. Tell me where I'm from. Where am I from, Brendan? You're from, well, you've lived in Orm the longest, so you're now from Orm. Dang it, I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Although I do love the idea of being from Utah as this place is a beautiful, beautiful place. So I can't get too mad about that. But anyway. no one in Utah is going to call it potash. (laughs) Ever. Except for me, because I'm the European Utah. The European Utah. The European Utah. Of course, there's other guys who've lived in Europe a lot longer than I who would probably say, yeah, yeah, yeah not really. you're not that. <laughs> but anyway, on the map, you're going to see these crazy potash ponds that are, they, 
the, the, this colorful craziness. You'll see it sometimes purple. I've seen it purple on Google Maps, but online they're blue. They're crazy colored blue. And I saw them from the distance and had no idea what was going on. And so we, I have always had this wish of getting down there on eyeline and see what it, what it really looks like. Right, right. So when we looked at this road that came off of the Colorado River and followed all the way up to it, we decided, let's take it. And we didn't even realize at the time that we were heading down a path that everybody goes. It's this Canyonlands road. And it wasn't until we saw Troy Warner's, we saw Troy Warwick's family over there at the Potash Ponds as he passed by. It's like we had a car come like, oh, is this guy going to go or not? And I look up and realize it's Troy. It's one of those situations where you see a car coming, so you kind of walk with your head down, waiting for him to pass. And you realize they're not passing. So you finally look up again and then you realize, oh, hey, I know the driver. Hey, man. Hey, Troy. That's awesome that you came out to this crazy location. We had no idea he'd be out here. I'm like, well, why are you out here? Where are you going? And he goes, well, this road continues on and it enters Canyonlands. I was like, oh, really? It is the scenic route to the yeah, Canyonlands. It's Schaefer Trail. Is that right? Schaefer Trail. Yeah. And you go around the potash plant and you just keep going. And you have to be careful because it said many, many times um, there's signs everywhere saying this is not a public road. Like your GPS is wrong. Turn yeah. around. Google so you have to make sure you, you have to make sure you have the right road in your maps <laughs> or they will, it will lead you astray. The drive from Moab is very pretty going on that road, coming around the Colorado River. You go across very sheer cliffs, very beautiful right of you cliffs, left of you Colorado River. It's just amazing. If you guys know the Corona Arch Trailhead, it's past that. So you go towards the Corona Arch and then you just keep driving and you get on the Schaefer Trail or Schaefer Road or something and you take that to get up to this Canyonlands area. When we were down at Dead Horse Point or up at Dead Horse Point, you could see a road below us and we ended up getting on that road from the Schaefer Trail. It was that road and so it was fantastic. Yeah, it's amazing. When we left the when left Troy's family and they continued on ahead of us and we ca caught up with them eventually out there at the overlook underneath Dead Horse Point. So there's an overlook right there where you can get out and walk around and see it. And when you get out to that spot is a beautiful deadly cliff face that is just fun to be out on, see it, get a nice picture. I happened to capture a full wide panorama of my phone and some woman walked in the frame perfectly on time to be in the dead center of it as a you know a stock photo look. It was fantastic. And then Troy's family's out there. They got their kids. We're out there. And one of their sons drops a football off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like some cheap $1 football, you know, plastic football. And he looks over. He's like, oh, I can get it. And he's like, no, no, dad, seriously, no. It was free. I got it for free. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Because <laughs> just off the cliff, there's a big section where it V's together. And then there's a bunch of buildup of rocks and dirt. And that's where it landed on. And so it was really only about six, eight feet down. Probably six feet But then there was down. like a thousand foot drop after that. <laughs> Dad, don't do it. I got it for free. I mean, who cares? Yeah, it was nuts. <laughs> but he goes down there and he grabs it. I help him up from my spot just because I wanted to be there just in case anything underneath he was standing on was going to slip out from underneath him. Oh, my gads. But yeah, uh, <laughs> really cool place to lose a football, guys. Really cool place to lose a football. <laughs> so we're capturing a picture, and I had this whole rule going with Brendan. Okay, give me your keys. Whenever he gets close to the edge now, I just say keys, keys, because if he goes, at least if I have the keys, I'm okay. I'm not going to die, so too. So selfish. So selfish. <laughs> Trying to survive, too. <laughs> he hasn't killed himself yet, obviously, from going to the edge of cliffs, but ah, he scares me more than I... It's like, 
you know, you see your family go to the edge of the cliff and it scares you more than seeing a stranger. Well, Brendan now mm. has transferred into that family realm and ah, it just freaks but me I've out. I've always been family. You married my cousin. I guess it's true. I didn't care about you then, though. You didn't even know me then. That's what changed everything. Changed everything later. <laughs> years later. Years later. So that area, beautiful site. If you can take a four, if you have four-wheel drive and you can take the road, it's not hard. It has no, some spots yeah. that after rain and during rain would be impossible to travel. Probably, but yeah. in the dry bits of day, it's fantastic to do. And apparently it is the pathway that Thumb and Louise went and drove off the cliff. Somewhere along that path is where they drove off the cliff in the movie. I don't know that movie well. I don't either. So I don't care. But it is famous, and the views are beautiful. And as you're going around, I mean, we were seeing cars that had no business being on that road, and yet they survived pretty well. We saw one guy's third tire, or I guess his fourth tire, came off the ground, and like his top camper that was making it top-heavy was going to tip him over. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like the European, like it was like a German guy, a couple German guys. This road or something. That were off with this crazy adventure wagon mobile. It was pretty (laughs) awesome, though. so if you're going back in here, it's like a back route, route a back route into the Canyonlands, and we took off and went to a, bri- a land bridge, and then came back around and went up. You guys heard us talk about the Moki Dugway. The Moki Dugway has nothing on the Schaefer Trail. Oh I mean, gosh. this yeah, is the, yeah Schaefer Trail viewpoint. I mean, this road. Not we've got to, we've got to get a picture heart. of this on the Google Maps and show. I'll put that in the, the show trail notes. Trail forward slash fifty one. What's funny is look, there's like this canyon overlook, and we're going under it here, yeah, skirting around it, and it's like we've got this whole road above us. It's flipping nuts. And then we went back, and then we came back, and and then met with the road. I mean, try and picture it. We're driving on a road heading straight to this cliff face that has a U shape, and you go. Somehow we get up there, and you cannot see the road. You cannot tell that that's going to become a road look at that drop and then suddenly it is as we're at the top and we're going around we're looking back at sections of the road that we just traversed and you go i look at that and i say i would never drive on that road it looks crazy it's right on the edge of a cliff you go around just an unbarriered difficult road that you skirt on a dirt surface and it's like i would never drive that and yet i just did i just did go through there yeah Oh, it was quite frightening, but it's a back route, and they never asked us to pay. We have a national park pass. So it didn't matter. So it didn't really matter. But, but honestly, wondered. if you take that trail, that is your payment into the park. I mean, into Canyonlands <laughs> because... Yeah. But Canyonlands might not have a might not have an actual... Um, it has a gate, and so people pay to get in there. Canyonlands over at Island in the Sky. So this area right here, Island in the Sky, is fantastic. If you drive all the way out to the end, you look over it and you go, what on earth? How is this out here? The oh, whole yeah, stretch it's... of Canyonlands is beautiful. The drop-off from there is crazy far, and then it drops off another shelf into a deeper crazy far. Uh, it's just... It's just astonishing that this exists, that this area exists. I'm so fortunate to call this place my home. I love it. Oh, it really so is. So crazy much. It really was amazing. I mean, if you guys can get out here into the Canyonlands and enjoy just amazing views, amazing vistas, just, ah, uh, it's just astonishing. Our half day drive through it was nothing. I mean, we obviously had no time to really, really experience it. But Island in the Sky, if you've got 15 minute drive in you, drive out to the end there. Fantastic. And if you go past Moab and go southern, southern 
out through the south of Moab and you keep going, you can go into the other entrance into Canyonlands at the Needles District. Needles District is awesome. I wanted to take Brendan there and these guys there, but we hadn't had any time that day. We just didn't have any time that day to go out and do that. So yeah. what a fantastic place, ah, Canyonlands. So when we got back to Moab and ate dinner and hung out with Justin thinking, okay, Delicate Arch or Natural Bridges? Delicate Arch, crazy amount of people, uh, could be a nightmare or yeah. natural bridges to ourselves. It's like, okay, natural mm. bridges, two and a half hours away, yes, but it's worth it. And that's what we did. And, ah, oh, man. With you just being there recently, you know, we just were able to drive right in. You were able to set up your light just as you did before, which is great. We used our light, but ended up turning it off. We used my other light, because, but we ended up turning it off because it was just too bright in certain uh, spots. And so... One light did it, and it was great. I think the podcast episode picture, the cover art, has to be the image that you captured from Natural Bridges. My image might turn out pretty awesome, too, but I know it won't look like yours. I never took an image that could be something that looks like yours, and I, I am just filled with envy as to how awesome your image turned out. And it was one of those things that I think only happened because of the amount of practice I've had doing Milky Way and and having fun doing a lot of panos. So explain a little bit of how you captured the shot because this shot is what we want to focus on for this this moment out here because it is it, it turned out fantastic. Tell us what you took, what you did because I'm very jealous of it. So when you set up your camera, I wanted to be not in your way. And so I went up into the right of you and had a little bit more of a wider view um, than what you had. You were pretty much almost underneath the arch. And I didn't know I didn't want to get in your way, and I didn't want to be underneath the arch either. So I stepped back a little bit up on this really precarious hill. I mean, it was just a dirt steep, almost forty-five degree angle where I was set my trap up right up against a tree, and I had <laughs> yeah. no room to even look behind my camera. There was literally no room behind my camera for me to stand. Right. Let me set this up a little bit more. Maybe if you guys know the Oachomo Bridge and Natural Bridges National Monument, it's this quick 0.3 mile hike down a little staircase, practically of sandstone, where you get to this natural arch, this land bridge, basically that's connecting from a river has just come right through it. This spot has a window to the south sky, southeast and kind of southwest, and you have a view of the Milky Way core there. And early in the season, if you've seen my picture before it has an intersecting x on this and that was from the other side of the arch the the west side of the arch at this time of the year the season when it's finally astro the milky way is so far southwest almost vertical that you have to be on the far 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 left of this arch the east side of the arch and we were tucking ourselves literally under it and up on this hill that doesn't have tons of space mm -mm. so that we can capture a view of the core through the window of the arch. And so Brendan is talking about this tiny little bit of real estate that we have to work with and how he got around me and made it possible for, we haven't mentioned it yet, but Bob, Bob, Bob. was out there with us. Yeah, we don't forget about Bob. Yeah, <laughs> What about Bob? <laughs> and so we went out here and thinking, okay, we're the only ones here. And as we're putting our shoes on, a cool guy comes out and says, I see tripods. <laughs> yeah, we know when we, and we know when we hear that, we know, okay. When someone oh, says, yeah. I see tripods, they're like, I'm taking photos too, <laughs> is what they're saying. And uh, as a 70-year-old guy, Bob, he was from Washington, and he was there to help 
uh, service for a, a week or two. He came down to do a week or two service in the national parks areas as a volunteer. Yeah, did he say he was going to the Goosenecks? I can't remember where he said he was I going. Think, no, I think it was there at the bridges national at the bridges at national bridges. Yeah, so he'd be down bridges, there yeah. working for them, helping clear out space, clean stuff up, and just does it as a volunteer every year. He loves coming down here. Yeah, he was so excited to come down and do the photography, and then he saw us and Brendan and I. Ever since our, exp- our experience with Royce Bear, we have really taken on his mentality of open arms hug them embrace them bring them into your photography night and mm-hmm. that's the best way to go and we had a, fa- a fantastic time with bob and bob was no stranger to photography i mean he's been doing it for years he's right. been coming down to utah he says for like 35 years wow something like that he's been coming down <laughs> for a long time almost as long as i've been Washington. alive since i'm 30 16 right 36 not 30, 40 16. <laughs> get it right get it, get it right. <laughs> <laughs> and so bob said he's been coming down to utah he loves utah's here like probably half the year kind of thing like he's just always down here he's obviously retired and maybe uh, all of his family's grown up and moved out and he's just alone and maybe he just uh, I love how you're building a to... backstory for Bob he's like, I know Bob better than anybody <laughs> else I've just met him so Bob, <laughs> Bob is sharing this space with us this tiny space and he's and, having a blast oh yeah we're freaking loving it and he loves hearing our banter back and forth as we yell at each other about the lights not yelling mad but just like should I keep it I can't hear you I'll take a test shot your lens cap was on. Why didn't you warn me your lens cap was on? <laughs> Turn it down. It's too bright. Well, you're so for some weird freakish reason, I'd go and turn down uh, your light and it would jack itself back up like three times the power. And so we're taking pictures we're like this looks way too bright. Like I swear this is at the lowest point. We so need I go to address hiking that. all the way back. And I turn it down and I'm like, dude, it's turned down. Like it turned down. I walk away. Boop, boop right again i'm like what the heck is going on let's address the specifics of that in gear time tonight because okay. uh, that is something to talk about for you guys who are getting into low level lighting and checking out our links because we do have a disclaimer that hasn't been proven yet and i'll talk about that more at gear time yeah yeah so something we can mention that's weird phenomenon that was happening anyways we got it sorted out so we could finally have our low level yeah. light stay low level <laughs> And, and picture uh, Brendan in there getting a nice big tree hug from a tree, getting in this tiny space and capturing the shot. And then tell us what you did. I mean, uh, I'm still kind of sick with envy just looking at it. Well, the shot was really interesting because I was at an angle where I started as far to the left as I could without getting you and the trees in my frame. Yeah, so the start impressive. of the base, the bid bridge, basically. And I just panelled over, and the way that my light, the way that my camera was angled, it ended up looking like um a quarter sphere. So if you imagine like the Milky Way anchoring, the top of the Milky Way anchoring the top and then pivoting like around. Mm, yeah. That. So this quarter sphere kind of thing. And so if you're into, if you do any kind of 3D modeling or like that, you just imagine the top quarter hemisphere basically. And that's what my image ended up kind of looking like when you went through the series. And so when I told Lightroom to pan out of this, Use the ink. They use the top of the Milky Way as an anchor point because that's what was kind of rotating around this, and it gave me this weird, like half shell shaped with a big notch square yeah. out of the Milky Way. That, that that's a part that I really wanted too. I'm like, why is that? Like, what? Like, I I swear I got a picture of that in Lightroom. When you're doing a pano, you have an option to like warp and then auto crop. So I usually do auto crop, but only after I warp it. Like maybe sometimes up to forty, you know. Sometimes 50, depending on how much it's warped, but right. that seems to straighten things out a little bit. And then it, then I can crop it and I'm like, yeah, cool. This time it needed a lot more work. I needed to bring it into Photoshop after I did some light warping and in, into uh, Lightroom. And then I really had to crop it 
in Photoshop, and then I actually had to warp the image itself into a position that looked in my eyes, mind of how I took the shot. I had to basically make it fit the way I imagined it looked when I was there. You kind of and tucked so, and pulled and yeah, brought you kinda, things together yeah, in the in, tapestry of the yeah, stars. Yeah, because in, in uh, Photoshop, it does a pretty good job when you hit the warp option for your layer and you can actually like pull anchors and pull squares down and kind of just like resettle things. And so if you look at the Milky Way, there's kind of a dead giveaway that's been warped because it looks a little flat in that corner or it kind of looks like it's arching up a little bit like this, like the wrong way before it goes. So it's almost like a little S. Yeah, I did it's notice very, that. very slight. And the, obviously the average person is not going to notice this, but I'm giving it away now. So, oh. um, and I could have warped it a little bit more, but I didn't want to do more than I really had to. And so having the bulge, if you notice the milky, the bulge of the rock in front of it is kind of natural because the angle I was at when I took a regular shot with my 15 millimeter wide angle, that's the bulge you normally get right from a little yeah. bit of distortion from the lens. So, I tried to leave it as natural-ish as I could without doing too much. So, And it's such a great texture on that Oachomo Bridge. It's oh, got yeah. the black speckled on this red rock, and it almost looks like a snake. It is just a great, great texture, and you're really featuring it well and strongly in this image. And the shape that it makes going over to the right and stretching up and then kind of the swoop it does, mm -hmm. swooping down to the bottom right corner, is just such a great composite composition shape I, I i think that's where the jealousy stems the most for me is mm. this shape right here going down and how natural and comfortable that is with the background being low lit and it can't see anything and drawing a nice complementary different shape a nice right. complementary thick in good places thin in other places it just has a great great strength and balance it goes from the top corner down to the bottom right corner takes up a lot of space in the vertical plane as well as having a night sky totally clear just some clouds in the distance over here that's on the part of the window of the arch it's just check that podcast cover art it looks awesome and we'll probably have to live a, put a big version up because we're the podcast covers can be square right so you're right it'll we have should to do be the something full that's large pano version um on the show notes but well friggin done i mean that is just something that i can't wait to send it to those two brits that we met uh, a couple of guys that gave us that gave me their emails they said hey uh i want to ask something a little cheeky i'm like well, what do you mean cheeky are you about <laughs> to ask me why am I so short or what's wrong with me? I mean, what, what's going on? And he said, can I get a copy of the pictures you guys are taking tonight? And like, well, did you guys get some? We just have our iPhones. <laughs> so they didn't oh, have any chance to capture the, the Milky Way. Okay. So, the, so a couple guys did come down to the bridge. While we were there. That night, yeah. Were they really British? Yeah, they are okay. British. Okay. And so he asked me if I can get a couple, get a copy, if he could get a copy of the picture we took that night. And I said, absolutely, you got it. And so I think I'm going to send Brendan's. Mine's not even processed yet. As Rob Ryan knows, I just don't take, I don't have the time for this because I keep working on podcasts. <laughs> and so I just, I it keep. It really is an interesting balance we have to make between creating content and and processing and creating our own images. Yeah, it's such a shame. It's so easy to take the image, it seems now than it is to bring them home and process them. I try to do it like the very next day if oh, I can. I wish I could, but now. And even if, for me, it's hard to do, and I try to do it like, okay, if I want to see these images. I'm dying to see these images, and I don't want to wait a week because if I do, I'm never going to get to it, you know? <laughs> so, And this is the perfect segue into a section that some of you might not know yet because you are part of a group that is 
not watching our Facebook group and not seeing everything that we say there, but I got fired from my job. I finally got fired, which I believe was completely justified. And I love that they fired me. I'm actually feeling like it was a huge blessing that they fired me because I'm excited to be doing this stuff full time. So now I'm on my second week of full time being home, but I've had these workshops around. So we left a lot and we'll be gone next week too. But mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just, I am now finally going to be able to take time with my pictures and I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to where I take yeah, an hour a day where I'm yeah. just going to be processing images. I have pictures from the Grand Canyon in March that I haven't even touched yet. Right. And I am about to get my Photo Taco Top 10 ready for 2017 so that I can join you know, Jeff Harmon on his Photo Taco Top 10 list that oh, I hope yeah. he does again this year. Yeah. And I'm going to be posting those on Instagram. And so I'm excited to show my top 10. And right now, my best of 2017 is one that I processed from Natural Bridges National Monument. And frankly, dude, this might be your top 10 right here. You're number one from 2017. Yeah, yeah, very well could be. It is just When I was looking through some shot. of the stuff when we were showing for Raphael's workshop, I was like, wow, I've got some pretty cool images from this year. I'm really excited <laughs> about this year. <laughs> And there's still more this year to go. There is. Oh, my God. So much more to go. So I've been fired. We're free. I am available to do more stuff for Photog Adventures and get back on track and get ahead of our stuff with our backlog. So so before we end this podcast, let's quickly go into gear time and tip of the week. And let's end it. Uh, we're going to get back to our format that we've done in the past where we have a story time, listener adventure talking about pod, talking about our tips and everything and going into gear time. But uh, today we will just do gear time and tip of the week. And let's start with gear time, Brendan. Yeah, so one of the things we noticed when you were listening to the past story about the light going blinkers on us. Um, yeah. That's a British term. Blinkers? Yeah, on the blink. It's on the blink? It's on the blink. That means it's uh, like flashing. <laughs> I think it's from the television. You know, when the televisions first came on and, oh, look, honey, it's on the blink again. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's an old British term, which is kind of fun. To use that is funny. Every once in a while. So. And it was literally blinking. And it, yeah, almost. It was, um, I would go and turn the light down to the lowest setting on the dial. It's this big radial dial. It's a little plastic. digital radial dial. Okay. You turn it down, it should not ever go until you tr touch it to turn it up or down again. Mm -hmm. I'd walk away take some pictures and, th and thought this looks really bright looks looks way brighter than I than it should be so I walk back to the light and you're saying the same thing too like it's it's too bright like we need to turn it down like, yeah. I'm like oh I just turned it all the way down the lowest <laughs> setting like it was off before so I go back turn it down again I'm like okay this was the lowest setting I'm pretty sure I did not touch this like when I left so I go back and I and as I was walking back like the third time I, I literally turned around and saw it go boop, boop, and, and brighten back up like three times brighter because mm. there's like super low setting on your, on your light, on your light um, bar and on your LED light panel, the super low setting, right? The very yeah. lowest. But if you turn up three times that your camera will definitely pick it up. I mean, it was brighter than the Milky Way, which it, which it wasn't supposed to be. No. And so... I just kept going back and back and back and being like, okay, seriously, now I'm watching it do it in front of me. So I know it's <laughs> not me. I know it's not some crazy psychotic moth that's turning up this thing when we leave. <laughs> landing you know, and landing. using its forearms. <laughs> and like, yeah, and like, yeah, no. So um, we had this big, fat, heavy battery in the back because we wanted lots of time with the light. When we thought, well, maybe the battery's putting some weird pressure on something and it's actually yeah, it's glitching it. So heavy holding away from the panel right moving and I was electronics thinking, eh, inside i mean if anything you would like you'd see it flicker on and off not like go up in power that's kind of just weird it's but a weird reaction 
so everything in my logic said that's probably not possible but you know let's go ahead and switch out the battery just in case well we did we switched out the battery too so there's a small a medium and a large for these sony npf batteries and so um we put on the medium one turn it to the lowest settings sure enough it stayed the entire time so for gear time i think what we're going to do is recommend you go with the small or medium batteries for those light panels don't get the extra large one get the extra large one if you have something like a like um a remote screen or something like that like an hdmi screen that has the same battery pack that i have like a seven inch or ten inch screens that require those batteries get the large one for that because obviously the screen's gonna take more power use your small and medium ones for your light panels don't put the pressure on it that it doesn't need and you're going to save yourself a lot of headache and an addendum to that is that even with the smaller pack, I noticed it go up a little bit on me. Oh, really? And so it's probably something internal. And the mm. problem with these lights is this one that I have is $150. And so you'd expect a lot more quality in less than a year. Now, yes, I've used it a lot, mm. but it sits in my backpack. And this is probably the worst way of moving it. So in addition to a gear time, if you own one of these little light panels that have that radio dial on the back, don't give it so much impact that I was giving mine, putting it into my camera case. Because you know those pockets in the segments oh. of a camera gear bag? I had it in one that was just big enough for it. And so there was some pressure pushing on it. And I think as it moves in the bag, it always is bumping it. So I think I caused some damage to the radial dial. Maybe. And it's not just the fact that the heavy battery was in there. Yes, it reacted a lot better. I mean, it was going constant on us with the heavier battery. Yeah. But then it stopped with the lighter battery. So I recommend the lighter batteries definitely more than the heavy ones. Yeah. But in the case that you don't damage it like I possibly did sitting in my bag, um, we get you've got to use it smartly. Pack it in a safe situation in your bag so that that dial, that plastic dial, doesn't take too much hit. If it takes all these hits and then has this issue, someone like Brendan who knows electronics well is going to have to go in there and fix it unless that they can work with me, the company that sells it to me, F&V. If they work with me on this and replace it or do some repair to it, then maybe I'm okay and I won't go in there. But if they have nothing that they're going to offer me, no replacement, no refund, mm. no fix, then yeah, let's, let's get into that and let's see what's happening. Well, you know what dial. is interesting is the, there's a different connection between your light panel and my light panel. My light panel has like just a standard... Um, NPF connector. You just push it, slide it in, and it's done. But yours has like this with this uh, sliding or this opening door because yours has the ability yeah. to put like eight, is it like six or double eight A's double or A's something. in it? And so it's so they're actually adapting this double A adapter to this um, NPF thing. And I think that they should go away from that. I think if they were going to sell something for that much, I, I like I understand the versatility, but nobody actually likes double A's. Nobody likes using double A's. They don't seem to last as long as they should or they're supposed to. And so um, they should just pick one or the other, honestly. Yeah. You know? Amen. And I think going with the NPF batteries, it's kind of like it is the professional um, choice for these kind of things. And so um, it's like the standard when it comes to remote, um, having like a remote screen or remote light or whatever. So that's, you know. Yeah, I think they just need to get away from that. I think that's that's some part of it as well as the latching mechanism between the the AA adapter uh, doorway that the battery sits on when you swing it closed. It's just kind of kind of kind of gimmicky. 
Yeah, and so if you're going to get into low-level lighting, we recommend this light 100%. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. It dims very well. But just don't, don't do as much damage to it like I did, and don't do any of the heavier Super batteries heavy that cause an issue on that door. Yep. So for tip of the week, being out in these locations, what was it that I kept wishing I had, kept wishing I could use, something that I could make this work out well? Well, I know what I wish I had. Well, what? I, I wish I had one of those half-dome little... Um, levelers that go between your tripod and your head oh yeah and so you can actually screw this on your tr top of your tripod then you screw your head on it and what it does is it levels your tripod head so you're talking not like a bubble level but a thing that allows you to grab the little stick underneath it and then level it out again mm -hmm. depend independent of the angle your tripod's at right and that way your tripod mm -hmm. can be kind of off level but then you can level off your head and then if I would have had that, I would have had a much better, smoother pano and a lot less post-processing to do. Oh, man, I have one with the Faisal that I can buy. I think I completely agree with that. I've seen lots of different brands, too. Different sizes, different brands on eBay. If you just look up um, head leveler or tripod leveler, I'm not sure exactly what to search for, but something along those lines, you'll find what I'm talking about where it's just kind of this cup in a cup, you know, and just kind of rotates around every direction and makes your head totally level that's a great tip of the week let's just go with that because i agree if i had had that in these situations and in a lot of recent situations it would help my panos it helped the stitching and keep it in lightroom and keep my life a lot happier because yeah. i don't have to worry about going into something more complicated like pt gooey is very powerful but far more complex to work with than it is just going click 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 right click to pano boom i'm going to choose spherical and done i mean lightroom mm. is so easy with the pano so yeah I love that. The prices Thanks, range from 20 to 100 bucks, so maybe I'll have to pick one up soon. Yeah, let's find a couple of those and let's link it to the show notes. So remember, okay. guys, photogadventures.com forward slash 51 if you want to see show notes for this episode and others. While I am fired and I don't have any other work to do, I am focused on Photog Adventures and earning money for my family doing other entrepreneur projects. And one of the things that you guys have already seen since we released podcasts talking about this is our, you know, our free our free portfolio review for those 50 that get involved yeah. and you if you those of you who have already participated in it you know about the fact that when you go in there you participate you send in your link and your name so we know okay this is the person we need to send the information back we have your email to contact you when we're done with your portfolio review that we offered you an opportunity and some of you might take us up on it of having your images featured in a youtube video and so we are just trying to look for ways to fund Photog Adventures, and we thought it might be a fun way to do it by having a chance for your images to be featured for a few extra dollars. You guys can throw that towards us and then help fund Photog Adventures. And then in return, we give you a video that features you, talks about you, and gives some great feedback and, and awesome like praises for your photography and put it on our YouTube and Facebook. And so we're hoping that that is a cool feature, and you're going to see a lot more of that from us. Uh, Brendan and I are committed to trying to help you guys more and give you more goodies and freebies that help you have quick ways of doing X or quick feedback here or even having a one-on-one -on -one Skype call with us, stuff like that. We're hoping to give out more and participate more in ways to help you guys. And we're hoping to make that be a very awesome way for us to fund Photog Adventures and give back something to you guys for those of you who are interested. So don't be shocked when you go to something that says sign up here so you can know about the workshop alerts and then you get told about other situations that maybe you can help fund Photog 
Bozog Adventures. And so just want to give you guys that heads up that if you go there and sign up for our freebies, you will get notified about these other options. And hopefully that won't be too annoying. And if it is, you guys are always welcome. There's bail on that list. Uh, you don't have to be emailed about anything at that point if you're not really interested in hearing about those other deals. And as always, I want to give a shout out to our patrons. Thank you for your support month after month. You guys are awesome. Please visit patreon.com slash photogadventures. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, we were able to use all of your guys' money for a gas on our trip down here. So going to these different places that we go now are not costing our wives money. It's costing Photog Adventures money. And it has been a great, fantastic feeling. And we owe you guys and we keep delivering more. So t check it out. Go to patreon.com and see what options are there. And just thank you guys. Thank you so much. See you guys. Have a good week. See you guys.